When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you too long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. I do so love the farmer's market. The stands are now piled high with fresh vegetables, orange and purple carrots, sunshine-colored zucchini, piles of peaches that fill the air with their sweet smell. Among the produce, there are other stalls with blocks of cheese, fine meats, pierogi, and oils. I just bought some mushrooms and was looking to buy some peaches when I saw a stall that hadn't been there before. There were lovely green vines winding up and around the awning, and beneath it sat a woman round and dressed in an astonishing amount of lace. She smiled at all who passed and was so pleasant that I paused to look at what she was selling. It seemed to be face cream and oils. I picked up a sample of a face cream and smelled it, enjoying the soft scent of gardenia. Another customer paused to look at the creams and the proprietor spoke to her. I noticed a lovely little tin of eye cream. I opened it and a waft of thyme and rose flitted through the air. I dabbed my pinky in the mixture and layered it under and around my eye. It felt cool and lovely, and I blinked once or twice and looked up and blinked again. The market, well, the people in the market had doubled. For this episode of the podcast, it is one story, but two tellers. The first teller for this episode is Rosie Couturer. She's been telling stories professionally for the past 15 years, presenting at festivals, schools, libraries, museums. She works with all ages. For younger groups, she tells folk tales, fairy tales, ghost stories, stories based on literature, poetry, folk songs, and her own original works. She's also a songwriter and accompanies herself on the banjo. Two of her storytelling CDs have won awards from Children's Music Web for Best Performer for both younger and older audiences. This is from her CD, Mr. Bun and Other Stories. This, of course, is Rumpelstiltskin. I'd like to tell you a story that comes from Germany. I bet you can find books that have Grimm's fairy tales in them, or even picture books with Grimm's fairy tales in them. Now this story, they've made a lot of picture books out of this story. And there's a lot of different versions of this story. Well, this is my version, and it goes like this. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, there lived a poor miller. Now this miller, he had a real pretty daughter. The miller, he was called before the king one day, and to make himself appear uh, more important than he was, he made up a lie. He lied to the king. He said, my daughter can spin straw into gold. Well, said the king, bring the girl here, we'll put her to the test. 
Well, the miller had no idea the king was going to say that, but he was not the kind of king that you said no to, if you know what I mean. Well, that poor girl, she was brought before the king, and the king took her to one of his many barns. The barn was piled high with straw. There was a spinning wheel and a stool, and up in the rafters there were some chickens looking down at him. The king said, sit here, honey. Spin all this straw into gold by morning, or it'll be your life. Well, the king, he then left, and he locked that barn door behind him. The poor girl, she sat down at the spinning wheel, and she began to cry. Wouldn't you? She didn't know how to spin straw into gold. Well, just a few minutes later, that door that had just been locked suddenly flew open, and in came this funny little man. He's about two feet tall, two feet wide. He had hair that went out into space and a nose that hung down to the ground. Hello, Mistress Miller. I see you're in trouble. What's the matter? The king. The king wants me to spin straw into gold. I don't know how to spin straw into gold. Well, <laughs> it so happens that I do. What would you give me if I did this task for you? Well, perhaps I, I could give you my necklace. And the miller's daughter gave that funny little man her necklace. Well, the little man, he sat down at that spinning wheel and whirr, whirr, whirr went the spinning wheel and the gold started to pile up. Now, you know, it takes a long time to spin straw into gold. To make the time pass faster, that little man, he started singing this song. It sounded like this. Round and round, oh, see that wheel go round, gold will soon be found, right there upon the ground, oh, round and round, oh, see that wheel go round, gold will soon be found upon the ground. You remember those chickens up in the rafters? <laughs> they were musically inclined. They loved that singing. They started clucking right along. Here we go. Oh, you're doing a fine job of clucking along. We're going to call this part the chicken chorus. Feel free to join in when it comes again. Well, by morning, all that straw was spun into gold, and the king was amazed and delighted, but still greedy. <sighs> took the girl to a bigger barn. More straw, bigger spinning wheel, more chickens in the rafters. Sit here, honey. Spin all this straw into gold by morning or it'll be your life. And then the king left and locked the door behind him. Again, the girl sat down at the spinning wheel. Again, she started to cry. Just a few minutes later, in came that funny little man. Hello, Mistress Miller. I see you're in trouble again. Well, I could do this task one more time, but what would you give me in return? Well, I, I, I could give you my ring. And the miller's daughter gave the funny little man her ring. The little man sat down at the spinning wheel and whirr, whirr, whirr went that spinning wheel and the gold started to pile up and he started to sing his song. Round and round, oh, see that wheel go round, gold will soon be found, right there upon the ground, oh, round and round, oh, see that wheel go round, gold will soon be found upon the ground. Chicken chorus. You are very good at this. In fact, I think I saw a couple of you rise up like you were laying an egg. <laughs>
Well, back to our story. By morning, all that straw was spun into gold, and the king was amazed and delighted, but still greedy. <laughs> Took the girl to a bigger barn. More straw, bigger spinning wheel, bigger and better chickens up in the rafters. Sit here, honey. Spin all this straw into gold by morning, and I'll make you my wife. <sighs> well, I wouldn't have wanted to be that man's wife for all the tea in China. But back then, well, girls didn't have much choice in the matter. The miller's daughter, she sat down at the spinning wheel. The king left, locked the door behind him. She didn't cry this time. She figured that funny little man was going to show up sooner or later. Sure enough, that locked door flew open, and in came the funny little man. Hello, Mistress Miller. Well, I see the king wants more straw spun into gold. My, he's greedy. Well, I could do this task one more time. But what would you give me in return? I, uh, I, I, I have nothing left to give. Mm. I, I hear tell. Perhaps one day you might become queen. What if you gave me your firstborn child? What? Give you my baby? No, I will not give you my... Very well. The little man turned, started to leave. Wait. Wait, no. Oh, all right. Now, you see, the girl was what you call between a rock and a hard place. For right now, she agreed to what the little man was asking to save her, her life, but she thought maybe later she could talk the little man out of taking her child. But for now, she said yes. Well, little man, he sat down at that spinning wheel. Whirr, whirr, whirr went the spinning wheel, and the gold started to pile up, and he started singing his song. Round and round, oh, see that wheel go round. Gold will soon be found right there upon the ground. Oh, round and round, oh, see that wheel go round. Gold will soon be found upon the ground. Chicken chorus. Back, 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 well, by morning, all that straw was spun into gold, and the pretty little miller's daughter became queen. One year later, she gave birth to a baby boy. Oh, she loved that baby boy. That baby boy made up for her foolish father. That baby boy made up for her greedy husband. But sure enough, one day, that funny little man showed up at the castle gates. Hello, queen. I'm here for the child. Please, Please don't take my baby. Mm. Now, the little man, he had a heart in there somewhere. It wasn't very big, but it was there. He felt kind of sorry for the girl, not sorry enough to give up the baby. He made a little deal with her. He said, if you can guess my name in three days' time, I'll let you keep the child. Now, that man, he had such a funny-sounding name, he figured she'd never be able to guess it. Well, right away, the queen went out, and she started writing down all the names she could think of, and then she started asking all the other people to give her names they could think of. And when the little man showed up the next day, she started naming them off. She said, Is your name William? Is your name Andrew? No! Is your name Howard? No, you won't guess it. My name it isn't Fred. My name it isn't Ed. My name it isn't Betty. You won't guess it. You owe to me a debt. And from it I will get that baby boy. 
the next day, the queen got her servants to go out with her. And they all wrote down the names that they could think of and all the names they could find. And when the little man showed up the next day, she named him off again. She said, is your name uh, Conlon? No. <laughs> is your name Shane? No. <laughs> is your name Drake? No. You won't guess it. My name, it isn't Ed. My name, it isn't Fred. My name, it isn't Betty. You won't guess it. You owe to me a debt. And from it, I will get that baby boy. Well, by the third day, the queen was desperate. She got all of her friends, all of her family, anybody she could think of to help write down new names. But you know what? They were running out of names. Towards the end of that day, one of the servants came running into the house. Milady, Milady, way out in the woods where the hare meets the hound, I, I saw that funny little man that's been coming to the castle every day. And he was dancing around that fire out there. And, and he was singing this song and it went like this. Rumpelstiltskin, that is my name I say. Won't guess it not today, I won't guess it not tomorrow. Rumpelstiltskin, she owes to me a debt, and from it I will get that baby boy. Well, when the queen heard that news, she was amazed and delighted. And when the little man showed up the next day, she was ready. She played around with him a little bit first. She started naming off other names. She said, is your name... Elephant? <laughs> no. Is your name Ebenezer? <laughs> no. Is your name Rumpelstiltskin? <gasps> Who told you that name? Who told you that name? Who told you that name? Oh, that little man, he was so angry, he started to stamp his feet. He started to stamp his feet so hard, he started to whirl around. He started to whirl around so fast that he lifted himself up off of the ground and disappeared into the sky like one of those Kansas tornadoes. <laughs> Never been seen since. Well, from that day on, that queen raised her son to be a fine young man. She raised him not to be greedy. She raised him not to be foolish. But most of all, she raised him to be charitable, which means when people were in trouble and needed help, he helped them and expected nothing in return. And that's the story of Rumpelstiltskin. Thank you. Very good. Today's fairy tale sponsor is the new True Fairy Tale Crime Podcast. Maria Schultz, otherwise known as Little Red, had traversed that path many times before, but could not have been prepared for what she encountered. That walk in the woods would take her into the belly of the beast, quite literally. True Fairy Tale Crime Podcast brings you in-depth reporting and discussions about some of the biggest crimes that happened in Happily Ever After. We spoke to the fox after he'd been caught and admitted to eating the gingerbread boy. While we don't have permission to record him, he did go on the record as saying, When a sentient cookie asked me for a ride across the river... There was no other thought in my mind, but I'm going to eat this cookie. If you enjoy true crime podcasts that make you wonder if your affairs are in order before you go to the grocery store or take a trip to grandma's house, then you'll be a fan of the true fairy tale crime podcast. It dives deep into some of the mysterious like... 
who is the woman behind the fairy godmother? The devious, like who put the pea beneath the mattress, the prince, or his mother? And the unexplained, why does a giant crave Englishman's bones to make his bread? Walk down the dark path with us to investigate the crimes that happen in the kingdom and beyond. This episode is also brought to you by a few new Patreon supporters. We have two young story collectors, Ezra and Ariel, who happen to have some unique gifts. Ezra can smell a good story, quite literally. I don't know what they smell like, but once he starts sniffing, you know a good story or dinner is just around the corner. Ariel can see fairy trails that are supposed to be invisible, and by following them, has gathered more stories than Alice did in Wonderland. Another new patron, Audra, has a magical gift of catching lightning. Just as you see the flash, she can reach out and catch it before the thunder begins to rumble. I've heard she keeps the lightning in colorful bottles that shimmer and sparkle very prettily on a dark night. Ezra, Ariel, and Audra are also generous supporters of storytelling, which is pretty cool. We had quite a few new patrons join us in July, so if you didn't hear your name here, not to worry. You are on the list for an upcoming episode, so keep listening. A big thank you to you and all the other patrons of the podcast. You are the shimmer of sunshine on a perfectly ripe tomato. The farmer's market was twice as full as it had been just before I blinked, but the new people milling through the crowd were so very, very different. They were tall and grand, towering above even the tallest person. Their clothes were light and flowing around them as if they were made of spider silk. They nodded to each other and looked at the goods in the market stalls, moving through the crowds with grace, plucking and picking up whatever they wanted, and no one seemed to notice the missing items. I suppose I was watching them with an open mouth when into my view stepped the woman who owned the booth who was overflowing in lace. Oh dear, I think you found my special salve. <laughs> Let me get that off for you. Before I could ask her anything about those beautiful people, she lifted a lace handkerchief and wiped the salve from beneath my eyes with two swift movements. I took a step back and blinked. The market had only people in it now. The tall, ethereal figures had gone. I turned back to buy a tin of that cream and asked the woman what I had just seen, but she was gone. The booth, the woman in lace, the table with creams vanished with only the smell of thyme and rose lingering in the air. The second teller for our episode might be a familiar voice. Simon Brooks has been telling stories to audiences from all over the world since 1991. He has won awards and honors for his storytelling albums from Storytelling World and Parents' Choice. He travels all over New England and to other parts of the USA. He's told his tales in Europe. When COVID and the lockdowns began, Simon completely reinvented himself to accommodate online presentations and workshops. He produces the show Conversations with Storytellers and has another lovely podcast that is just Simon telling stories. It's called Lindy Line, and you should go look it up if you are needing some more Simon Brooks stories in your life. And let's be honest, we all need some more Simon Brooks storytelling. 
Now, he recorded this story specifically for you, dear listeners of the podcast. This is your daring host, Simon Brooks, telling Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin, reimagined and retold and revisited by Simon Brooks. Copyright 2021. The old king died, leaving his son a kingdom riddled with debt. Too many fine clothes, too many trips to foreign lands, too many wars, too many parties, too much of everything. The taxes were high, the people were unhappy. The young king wanted to fix this when his father died. He stopped spending, lowered taxes, encouraged farms and businesses to sell to neighbouring states and kingdoms. He encouraged the arts which drew people in from countries close by. Markets grew, but getting rid of the debt was slow. A king who rules well, a good king, listens to his people, learns what his people need, and knows what is going on in his lands. Word came to court that there was a miller who had a daughter that could turn things into gold. The word came to the young king's three oldest ministers, advisers who had been closest to his father when he was alive. They wanted to see this young woman. Maybe there was something in it for them. There were not many benefits at the castle now the young king was ruling. The miller and his wife were good millers, as was their daughter. The mother, she also made cloth as well as being a miller, but the daughter, she liked working with her father, grinding millet, corn, oats, wheat into flour. They also had a cider mill, which sprang to use in late summer and ran through the autumn. The father was not a wise man, but a good man who worked hard. He loved his daughter, the light of his eyes, and would repeat a metaphor he had once heard and liked. My daughter can turn anything into gold, even straw meaning she made their life so much more valuable and brighter that she made the mundane seem wonderful. Not everyone heard the metaphor, but instead only heard the words, the words the old ministers wanted to hear. The three ministers arrived and spoke to the miller, who repeated what he always said, Oh, my daughter can turn anything into gold, even straw. His smile was bright with the love for his girl in his eyes. One of the advisers picked a piece of straw from his jacket and said, She can turn this into gold. Occasionally his daughter would weave hats from straw to sell at the market. They didn't bring in gold coin, but close to it, the miller thought, and so he nodded and smiled. The king would like to see this for himself. Where is your daughter? The advisers began looking around. The miller called out. His voice boomed his daughter's name and she came running. Is everything all right, father? She looked at the three well-dressed men smiling at her. The king wishes to meet you. You are to come with us. The ministers ushered the girl into the carriage and rode off. The miller's voice calling out behind, Have a nice time. Be back before supper. When the carriage arrived at the castle, she was not taken before the king, but to the dungeons and placed in a cell. Great piles of straw were brought in. A stool, a small table with candle, flint and stone, a pitcher of water, a chamber pot and a spinning wheel. You are to spin this straw into gold. We will come and check in the morning, 
said one of the advisers. If you fail to do this, you will lose your head. However, if you do indeed spin the straw into gold, well, this could win you the hand in marriage to the king. The young woman looked at the huge pile of straw and back at the ministers, but they closed the door and locked it behind them. She thought she heard them muttering something like, that's a good one, marrying the king as if a king would marry a simple illiterate miller's daughter. I'm not illiterate! The miller's daughter yelled at the door. She had never spun before. She wove and milled, but not spun. She'd watched her mother a lot. Maybe she could do this, but spin it into gold thread? Gold colour, maybe. Why on earth would she want to marry a king who imprisoned her and forced her to do the impossible? The young king was as bad as his father, she thought. The girl began to cry, not because she was frightened of losing her life, but for her parents. They thought she would be home for supper. They thought that she was visiting with the king. They would worry and not know what to do. They might not ever know what happened to her if she was, well, if she never returned home. Let's see if it can be done. I'm not sure if I can spin this into anything, let alone gold. The miller's daughter wiped the tears from her face and found some pieces which seemed a little more pliable, softer than the rest of the straw. She moved the stool to the spinning wheel and tried to turn it into thread. A chuckle, an evil laugh, came from the pile of straw. What on earth are you trying to do, girl? The girl, startled, leapt to her feet, knocking over the stool. I'm spinning straw into gold, as ordered by the king's ministers. <laughs> what? Spinning straw into gold? Good luck with that! Something the size of a small child climbed out of the hay, pulling bits of straw from its long white beard. In what little light there was, the girl saw it waddle closer, with bowed legs and wide feet. The clothes it wore, well, she could smell them already. She watched as it put its long, thin fingers in an arch and began to click its fingernails together. What are those ministers up to, I wonder? mused the small creature. Ministers, the king had me ordered here and thrown into a dungeon with the straw. They ordered me to spin it into gold or, or I would lose my head. Or maybe, maybe if I did this impossible deed, I might be allowed to marry the king. Oh, lucky girl, quite a catch he is too. Why would I want to marry a man who would have me killed? Oh, I don't think it was the king that said all them things. I've known the king since he was born. We were really close once upon a time. Is he dead or did you fall out? Neither. The young king is a very nice man. Heart of gold. A pun not intended, sorry. The little imp, for that's what he was, told the miller's daughter that he and the prince were once best of friends when the young man was a mere child. They had played together, gone to the woods together, did almost everything together. But then the ministers said the young prince should not play with magical creatures, that future kings should learn to be kings. I could have taught him better than some of his tutors, but instead I was thrown into these dungeons. Maybe the king has changed and now takes after his father since you last saw him. The miller's daughter folded her arms and stared at the little man. Oh no, quite the opposite, he's grown into everything his mother wanted, a true man, a good leader. What? Can you, can you get out of here? Yes, 
You think I can be held here? Pfft. I wanted to fulfil my promise to the Queen and keep an eye on the young King. I was always here when he needed me the most. I whispered to him as he slept, left clues for ideas which might help him, leave books lying around for him to find. So he thinks you're still in the dungeons, but won't get you out? No, he thinks I'm dead. He doesn't know that I was thrown down here. He was told I was taken far away. Uh, now about this gold business. In an effort to keep this already long story as short as I dare, the imp spun the straw to gold, and the miller's daughter helped feed the straw and wrap the thread. The ministers could not believe their luck the next day. They said they would keep the first cell's worth of thread for themselves. And the girl was put in a larger cell, provided some bread, more water, and plenty of bobbins to wrap the thread with, which she would spin from even more straw. The ministers came in the second morning, and greed danced in their hearts. They would be rich. Keep spinning, they said, and you will stay alive. When the imp heard this, he wrote a note to the king to pay a visit to the dungeon in the east wing of the castle. The east wing dungeons were in better shape and had been kept for guests such as imprisoned dukes and lords and, yes, also duchesses and ladies by the old king. On the third morning, when the advisers walked into the room, they found every bobbin but one filled. They laughed. Look at it all, they cried. We'll be rich. At least rich enough to pay off my father's debts. The young king stood in the doorway. The advisers nearly leapt out of their skin hearing the king's voice. They turned to face the young ruler and bowed low, stealing looks at one another as they did so. Oh, yes, your majesty, we have been discussing how this incredibly talented young woman is to be compensated. Good, said the king. She has been well fed, I hope, and cared for. The ministers said nothing, so the miller's daughter spoke. If I may speak, your majesty, she curtsied. You may. I was brought here under the impression that I was to meet you and was immediately thrown, no, placed in a chamber smaller than this, given a pitcher of water, a chamber pot, and that spinning wheel, and told that if I wasn't able to spin the straw, piled up in the room, into gold, I would lose my head. This is the third and largest room I have been in so far, your majesty, and it's the third day that I've been here. A hiss came from one of the ministers. Be quiet, you slattern. Another spoke directly to the king. Um, you would believe this poor, illiterate country girl over your most trusted advisers, your majesty. The king stood taller. Most trusted advisers, you say? The ones who assisted and encouraged my father to put our country into debt? Slattern, you say? She has spun three rooms of gold thread against her will, it seems, and you threatened her life, and you presume to call her a slattern? Your Majesty, she claimed to be able to spin straw into gold, the minister bowed again. To claim such a thing, and not to be able to do so much, seemed a crime punishable by death. The miller's daughter curtsied once more. If I may, Your Majesty? Well, of course. It was my father who made up that claim, and he is a simple man. All he meant by it was that I meant a lot to him, merely a metaphor, Your Majesty. And yet you spun the straw to gold. The king waved his hand to the pile of golden thread that filled the room. By your leave, Your Majesty, it was not I who spun the straw into gold, but a strange old man, an imp, I believe you would call him. 
He came to my rescue when I thought I was lost. We kept each other company, and I helped as he spun. He told me he had been taken from a good friend of his, a human child, and cast into this dungeon. Although he was able to watch the child grow up, he stayed away in fear of death. It seems these are the same men who stand before me, who took this creature from the child. It was the imp whose loneliness brought him to my aid, and willingly, and without compensation, spun the straw to gold. An imp? The young king was surprised. Come to me and whisper his name in my ear, if he gave you his name. The ministers sprang to life and moved between the girl and king. Oh, your majesty, she is making nonsense up. A childish imagination, that is all an imp indeed. Who ever heard of such rubbish? The king held his hand up. Stop this now. I have heard of such rubbish, as I had an imp as a friend, as a child, and one day he stopped visiting. He quieted his voice and spoke to the miller's daughter. Whisper his name to me. The king turned his head to one side as the miller's daughter cupped her hand and spoke so softly none other than the king heard her words. Guards, cried the king, take this woman, this, this miller's daughter. The ministers stood tall and proud and smiled at each other. Take this young woman to the seamstress and have new clothes made for her. Have her bathed, dressed and fed and take these men my advisers, and place them together in a room smaller than this, filled with straw, a chamber pot, a pitcher of water, a large pitcher of water, and this spinning wheel. The king turned to the girl. How many days did you say you've been here? This is my third night, your majesty. Give them three days to spin the straw to gold. The king watched the guards take the three ministers to another cell, and a single guard led the girl to the main castle rooms. He told the last remaining guard watching over him to leave. I wish to be alone to think on this matter. When all was quiet, the young man whispered a name which softly echoed off the walls. There was a rustling behind the piles of bobbins. Is it you, my old friend? the king asked. From behind the stacks of wound thread, came a wizened old man, not more than three feet tall, grubby and threadbare clothes, white beard dragging on the ground, a smile on his face. The creature stood with head bowed. It is. The king strode over to the wee man and sat down next to him. May I hold you, old fellow? The imp opened his arms and leapt at the king. They held each other close. All these years and I thought you dead. Oh, not I, young man. Cannot be kept in these rooms, you know my magic. I have watched you grow and been proud to see you turn into the young king you have become. I knew you would never be like your father. It was he who had me thrown into the dungeon, on the advice of those men who just left this room. But I've watched you, seen you grow. But why did you not visit me, tell me you were all right? I wept on losing such a friend. I know how lonely it has been for both of us. Raised here in the castle as we both were, only children. Well, you're only a child. The king stood. Why did you not run off to the forests? Come, let's eat. I have not yet had breakfast, and I need to reward you for the service to the young woman and the kingdom. Oh, sounds like a wonderful idea, said the old man. I did not leave because the woods are not safe for me. Your mother made you my ward, so I could not leave. 
I had to make sure nothing terrible happened to you. I was there if you needed me. You just never saw me. The old imp was given a bath, new clothes made for him, out of the golden thread that he himself had spun, and the king and the imp caught up. There's a lot I could tell you about the king's childhood friend and the ways in which he had helped the young ruler when he was younger and alone, but that might take too long. The ministers, of course, were not able to spin the straw into gold, so the king said they would lose their heads unless they could come up with the imp's name. Of course, they neither remembered nor even knew the name Rumpelstiltskin. The king was not a bad person, so he let them keep their heads on their shoulders, but told them to leave his kingdom and never return. They were put out on a trading ship and taken to a place far, far away and left there. The miller's daughter was asked if she would like to live at court, but she said she liked her life at the mill. The miller was made the royal miller to supply all flour and cider for the castle and was paid well for the work. The young king and the miller's daughter over time became the best of friends and the king actually gave her way at her wedding. Her father had passed away, and with the help of her mother, she ran the mill after him. The king made Rumpelstiltskin one of his ministers and advisers, one of his most trusted. The king was able to jumpstart the economy of the kingdom with the use of the gold thread, which his friend never had to spin again. And the people there in that kingdom lived well, ruled by a just and noble king. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Rosie Cruderer at rosiecruderer.com and Simon Brooks at diamondscree.com. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. We are still in strange times for performing artists, but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling are abundant. Go find your favorite storytellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know you can connect with the podcast and see fairy tale sponsor ads on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast, or you can connect with me at Rachel Ann Harding. While you're there, let us know the favorite stories you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was all the true crime podcasts. I mean, so many people listen to them, but honestly, they freak me out. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was the Irish legend of the midwife and by local farmer's market. The music is by Pottington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.
Once Upon a Time. And welcome to this Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. (laughs) That was like really slow. (laughs) 